Well, hello and welcome to the latest edition of The Orchard Podcast. We are in a series looking at the fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians 5 and what a series it has been so far. We are loving it. Now, if you are watching this on YouTube, then spoiler alert, you will know that I am not joined by Amy this time around. Amy has not grown a beard and her voice has not dropped several tones. No, uh, It is Jonathan Hughes, the Reverend Jonathan Hughes, for those that are listening, is here with me, and we're going to be looking at goodness together. Uh, And I am so pleased that I'm getting to chat to you, Johnny. Hello. What a a delight to be here, Rach. Oh, stop it. Johnny is also my cousin-in-law. I'll leave that with you to work out. It is legal. That's all you need to know. Um, And you know what, Amy, we had this, we had kind of a a bit of a dilemma because Amy is up against some serious essay deadlines. She is studying at the moment to become a vicar, no less, in the Church of England. And so it gave us an opportunity to mix things up a bit. So I am doing this podcast with her husband, the Reverend Jonathan Hughes, as I have said. And then in a couple of weeks time, Amy is going to do the Faithfulness podcast with my husband, the Reverend Timothy Hughes. I know, it is just too exciting for words. So uh, Johnny and I are going to dig into the fruit of goodness. And I'm excited. Are you, Johnny? I am really excited. I've it's a, it's a, I don't know if I've just said this, but it's an honor to be here, Rach. What an what a opportunity to speak with you about goodness. Oh, stop it. Well, I've always um, admired the way that you think, Johnny, you are a deep thinker. And anytime I have a conversation with you, I am challenged and inspired. uh, And I go away with stuff to really chew over. So um, I'm hoping that you're gonna deliver the goods. No pressure, Johnny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, well, should we just jump straight in? what is goodness then, Johnny? If we're thinking, because it's interesting, I think with all the fruits of the spirit, I'd mm. say goodness is the one that is the hardest to sort of pin down. Mm. You know, it's not something that you might actively ask for, you know? In, yeah. I know, I know if I, I think about those other fruits of the spirit, I, I can think of so many times where I've asked for peace, I've asked for patience, I've asked for kindness. I I actually can't think that I've ever prayed, Lord, give me goodness. And so I wonder if it's harder for us to sort of wrap our heads around what that looks like. And the whole whole premise of this podcast is to really help and inspire people to cultivate these fruits in their lives. And we talk about this, Amy and I, uh, this tension between gift and intentionality. You know, these are gifts that we receive. Um, but we also have a part to play in intentionally cultivating these fruit in our lives. So, Johnny, what is goodness? Well, I think, I mean, uh, yeah, you set it up beautifully. I think you're right. Goodness isn't, it, it, maybe of all of those fruits, it's the, one, it's the one that's least obviously useful to us. Yeah, we are, we're, it's obvious every day we need patience, isn't it? And kindness and all these other things. But perhaps goodness is, is less obviously use, useful to us. But I think of all the fruits, um, I think goodness is aligned to the identity and the nature of God, probably most obviously, biblically. Yeah. Uh, the word for goodness, certainly in the Old Testament, the word is, is tov. And that's a word that appears hundreds of times i mean it's it's incredibly um 
yeah, over 700 occurrences of that word in an, in the Old Testament alone. So it's 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 something which we see a lot. It's it's something which, it's a word that occurs right at the beginning of the Bible and throughout. Um, so you know we hear in the Psalms things said like Psalm 119 says, "You are good," or "You are tov," yeah. and you do only tov. You are good, and you do only good. We we know the Psalms. I know this is one of your favorite Psalms, Rachel. Yeah. If not your favorite, Psalm 27. Yeah. I believe that I will see the tov, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Psalm 23. Surely your goodness, your tov and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So in the scripture, goodness is is aligned with the identity and the nature of God. So in answer to the question, what is goodness? It's the character of God. Yeah, that's what goodness is. It's it's his essence. It's his nature. Mm. There's this um, beautiful story, I was going to come to this later, but there's this beautiful story in Exodus 33 where it's actually quite a gruesome story as well, where Moses has been at the mountain for 40 days and he comes down the mountain and Aaron and the, Aaron's let the people run wild and, and Moses has the commandments in his hands and he breaks them as an indication that the covenant's been broken. Mm. and and then he has this conversation with God and and in it God gives him an offer and <clears throat> the offer is basically that Moses can have everything he wants he can have power he can have an assurance that the angel will go with him he can have success you know you'll drive out the people and Moses says you know no deal I don't want that because you're not going with me and then uh, Moses asks almost takes the conversation to the next level says God I want uh, show me your glory mm. And God's response to Moses is, um, I will show you my, I'll let my goodness pass before you. Mm. And so the glory, which is the, the, the essence, if you like, of God, God himself says, my glory is my goodness. Um, and so I think that capture, captures something of what the goodness of God is. It's the essence of God's character and his identity. Yeah. And actually, when we think about the fruit of the spirit, and this is, I guess, what Amy and I have kept coming back to it, and it's it's that tension that I mentioned at the beginning between gift and intentionality, mm-hmm. because actually that the these fruit of the spirit they are just inherent to who Jesus is to who God is, and so if we want those, then then we just have to keep going back to the source, don't we? We just have to keep going back to Jesus, and that that's where self help departs yeah. from. Right. the very essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. you know that you you keep going back not to sort of self-improvement but you just keep going back to the source and, and in this case the source of goodness is God himself so if we we want more goodness in our lives then we just have to keep just have to keep going mm-hmm. finding those ways to how, how do you do that how do you spend time with God Johnny oh, me personally yeah well it changes doesn't it I mean I it changes in every diff- in different seasons. For me, um, well, I sit in that chair. If you're on the, if you're on the <laughs> I know YouTube. the chair. I've seen the chair. Yeah, from IKEA. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you do branding here, but um, yeah, we are sponsored. I mean, if IKEA want to sponsor us, that would be really, really good. Yeah. So I, I, I do. I'd sit down in in that chair in the morning with a cup of coffee and uh, try and think about God. For a bit and usually I think about golf instead <laughs> <laughs> um, but I try and do that and then I'll try and have a section of time after that where I read a bit of the bible 
and then I'd write in my journal. So those three things I try and do every morning for however long. I mean, I, I find myself pretty easily distracted, but there are times where, you know, there's a connection. I think like anything in life, you know, you um, everything in life is imperfect, isn't it? Yeah. And that's okay. We're, we're finite creatures. And so um, we just have to get used to that. That's been a, that's been a difficult thing for me to come to terms with as a perfectionist that nothing in life will be perfect and that my prayer life will never be perfect I'll never get to a point where I have the perfect hour half an hour whatever 15 minutes with God Um, but yeah so that's what I do and I do that regularly enough I think that even in its imperfection it makes a difference yeah how do you pray uh, do you know I'm in a season right now um, and you know this, where we've got a little baby. And so I, I'm the same. I really enjoy, uh, well, I used to, my <laughs> default would be getting up reasonably early and um, journaling, reading the Bible, worship music. I just, I'm just not able to do that at the moment because our, the rhythm of life is such that babies require a lot of attention. And we've got four other, you know, we've got five children now. And, um, and I, I've sort of beat myself up a little bit about that. Uh, yeah and felt felt guilty and I think it's that thing is that I've had this big revelation which <laughs> I felt like I should have had years ago around perfection versus connection and wow. that actually God is God's desire is not my perfection God's desire is connection with me and um and that's what I keep I keep thinking about that and so so at the moment for me connection just looks sort of throughout the day you know it's being intentional throughout the day um and I know, I know I'll return to that rhythm of in the morning, Bible, journal, worship, prayer. I just, I just can't logistically manage that right now. Uh, and I, I, do, I do think God is remarkably gracious. He, he, he gets, he, he sees, he sees the reality of our lives and he knows our hearts. Ultimately, he knows our hearts, doesn't he? Well, um, I, I think there's something really profound there. I mean, I think you said something extremely important and profound oh, there. Johnny. Love no, you have. The, the, <laughs> the, the hour is not for God. It's exactly. for us. I mean, I, look, if you're splitting theological heads, you might say, well, God, God's glorified, God enjoy. Of course, what I'm saying is the purpose of the hour is to get you to a point, to get me to a point where we're connected to him through the day. If you're at a point in your discipleship where you can do that without a whole hour, then great. You've graduated. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm saying that, that's for sure. No, but it's interesting though, Rachel, the connection thing, I think leads us back to this idea of Tove. Yeah. Because in Genesis, what we're told, so God creates the heavens and the earth, and we see it's it's described as this um, movement, if you like, from chaos to order. Mm -hmm. And every stage of the unfolding creation, as creation unfolds and we see a greater level of order, God says Tove. And he says Tove over creation six times. And then uh, when he creates us as his image bearers in his image and his likeness, mm-hmm. we're called, therefore, to reflect his identity and his character. He says Tove Mayode, which means very good, yeah. not just good, but very good. And the whole context of creation, as I said, it's about order from chaos. But it's actually to use your terms, which I think are beautiful. It's about connection. And what we see in the creation is that. Uh, we are connected as God's image bearers with God and we are connected with creation. And so that's the natural state. 
that's the that's the uh, perfected state really and it is about connection and it's about walking in the cool of the day with the lord and so i think that's a picture of tove what you you've described as your sort of prayer life look and i know with a screaming baby and a, and a this and a that it's it, it's not perfect but as that sort of ongoing connection i think is yeah is what we're designed for i mean actually a little little book plug a friend recommended a book to me called a praying life by paul miller and uh, I, I, I can't read at the moment without falling asleep. So I've got the audio version, the audiobook version. And it is really, it's just really ministering to my soul at, at this season, really helping me to, uh, to, to pray in the season that I'm in right now. And there's, there, again, the focus of it is all about bringing our whole selves to, to Jesus, you know, not not having to present this polished version of ourselves before we get to that point of prayer, but just to be in this constant communion with God. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking the other day, I um, something really peed me off. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, there was, it, it was a driving thing. I'm quite an impatient driver, I have to say. And there was a scenario and it re- basically, I'll say this, I, there was a there was a guy who was driving and he was just really condescending to me and he made this comment and he was it was sort of dressed up as him being quite helpful but actually within what he was saying was this sort of condescension and i felt like saying to him would you have said that to me if i was a bloke you know because it was a driving thing and anyway I won't go into all the details but it really got on my nerves as you know that sort of thing winds me up and I got back in the car and normally I would sort of slightly beat myself up and think, oh, you know, why did you react like that? You know, and and, and the temptation would almost be to pull away from God, like, oh, that just exposed how sinful and imperfect I am. Right. I better just sort of distance myself from God a bit because I feel a bit grubby. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, since sort of, again, like really chewing over this, no, it's, it's connection, not perfection. Uh, and like I said, this book has really been inspiring me. I just, I just said to God, God, that really annoyed me. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't react more graciously, but that whole scenario really annoyed me. Can you help me to understand what that pushed? Because I, I know it triggered pride in me, actually. And so help me to deal with why, why did that trigger pride? Do you see what I mean? And it felt like a totally different shift from perhaps how I might have responded in the past. Um, I feel like we maybe. Sorry, I'm taking us away from good I think, I think that's a, a paradigm shift in your relationship with God. Yeah. I really do. I, I, find that, I find that really moving. I do. I just find that profoundly moving. Why? why? Go on. Why does that move you? I don't know. I need to think about it. Um, I think because... It's like you've stepped into a spacious place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's the, what the psalm says, isn't it? You know, you brought me out into a spacious place. You delivered me because you delighted in me. Mm-hmm. And it's like you've been delivered from the land of perfection, which yeah. is not really a land. It's not really, it's not real. Into a real relationship with God, mm-hmm. which is about who you actually are and the life that you're actually living which is which has to do with cars and I'm not going to call it road rage but road <laughs> frustration 
and yeah. that's that's your actual life and you've just had a conversation with god about your actual life rather than sort of a pretend conversation with god about the life that you might one day live yeah and that moves me because i want that i see that in you johnny i i think you're yeah i'm not saying you know it's not there but i think that's i think that i think it's so inspiring oh it it is fascinating isn't it that i think again part of part of even what i what what i just shared it it comes down to vulnerability doesn't it and mm. i think the tragedy is so, and and i think this leads on to this my next question around goodness it's a tragedy that so many of us in christian community live li- live or or engage with each other on that sort of false self level yeah. right that we're just tr- we're sort of trying to present our perfect selves to each other and so my fake perfect shelf meets your fake perfect self it just sort of mean and it's it, it can create something that's really unhealthy and really um diminishes god's desire for christian community right mm-hmm. yeah. and i think inherent in this word goodness is i would say like a a, a call or an invitation to create a, a community, to create a Christian environment that allows for people to engage on that deeper level. Yep. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what a goodness culture looks like. I, I, I know you will, you will be aware that it feels like there's been quite an expose of late on certain church cultures in different places and, you know, we're leading churches so they're but by the grace of god go i but culture in a christian community is utterly critical and it's so easy to move away from Mm. a a culture that is defined by goodness what what does that look like well i mean yeah not just the church because i mean the bbc has been you know as well in the last week again and and if you look at the last sort of 15 years I mean I think back to the sort of 2008 the banking crisis and it felt like since then every major institutions had this expose moment but yes certainly the church is is a big part of that um you know it's interesting because a goodness culture is and maybe this is uh, a little too soon but it's an unmasked culture isn't it you know, so it, again, going back to Genesis, which I think sets up the sets up the whole story of the Bible so beautifully with this this um, picture of creation and it's Tov. We are Tov Mayod. We're very good, mm. and we're we're called to rule and to reign. And if you imagine that perfection of intimacy or just connection, that that strength of connection we have with God and with each other, and that's actually described using this picture, this imagery of nakedness. Mm. and it says that we're naked and unashamed doesn't mm. it and and that's a picture i think of just as you vulnerabilities the um the common coin now that the way to say that but it's it's this it's just a picture of being unmasked and the reason i use that word is because one of the things that jesus comes hardest down hardest on or one of the groups he comes down hardest on are the pharisees in the new yeah. testament and the word he uses for them is hypocrites but that word is a it's a Greek word, hypocrite, and a, a hypocrite is a street actor. 
And uh, they they would what they would do is that they would um, instead of sort of acting happy, hey, sad, you know, they very good wear, by the way, very good, very much. I <laughs> I think I yeah that would be my career perhaps. Uh, <laughs> um, they would put a mask on, and the mask would indicate their emotion instead of them acting it. And so Jesus was saying to the Pharisees, "You're hypocrites. You're wearing masks." Um, you know, you're not showing the reality of who you are and and there's there's something in the way. Mm. And I guess that something was performance and religion and however you want to frame that. So I think the first thing to say, which is really what you've said already, is that a Tove culture, uh, which which I think is that God's design and desire for not just the church, but the whole of the world. Mm is it's it's an honest place yeah. it's a place of openness uh it's a place where yeah we can come as we are but we receive the gospel and the gospel is the good news that we don't have to stay as we are mm. um and and that, the whole point about the church is that it's supposed to be a colony of heaven yeah so in this place heaven touches earth and that place that community where that's happening that becomes a sign of hope to the rest of the world mm. that jesus is coming back and he's going to finish what he started and and so all of these yeah I mean, that's my picture that's my that's why the church is is a, supposed to be and is i think is a place of profound hope because but but because it's a place only when it's a place where we can really be honest yeah and how do you go about I mean, you know, people listening to this won't be leading churches necessarily, but, we're, you know, we're in any family, in any um, workplace, yeah. et cetera, in any, any situation where there's a, a group of human beings, there's a culture. How, mm. how, how have you been as a dad, as a church leader, how, how have you gone about being intentional about creating a culture and environment where goodness can be cultivated and grown? I wouldn't. I wouldn't counsel anyone to follow my my pattern in in either fatherhood or church leadership. I I think we're all trying to learn how to do this, aren't we? And I mean, so often I find myself fighting myself. Yeah. Um, I think the only hope we have. I mean, so that again, back to Genesis. It all goes wrong when we seek to establish ourselves independently of God. That's where the whole, yeah. you know, uh, that's that's where sin enters into the system, the culture. Now, whether the culture is the family cu- culture, the family system, or whether it's the cosmic, the world system, mm. that breaking of the, the, the sort of ties that bind us together and bind us with God, that happens when we think we can live autonomously. We think we can live on our own. Stand, I can stand on my own two feet and... I think the only hope we have as the church, church leaders, the only hope we have in our families if, is just to say, God, I just don't know how to do this. Mm. I don't actually know how to father my children effectively because I'm really messed up. Yeah. I, I, I can't actually even, I don't even have gracious words for myself a lot of the time. Yeah. So I'm, I just need you <laughs> to father me. Yeah. And that's the only hope I have. And, you know, I think that's the same with churches, with families, with businesses and everything else. But it's how do we, back to your thing of connection, 
the opposite of independence is dependence, or you might say connection. Yeah. And I think that the, the goal of the Christian life is to live every waking minute and sleeping minute in the presence of God. Mm. And what we're doing right now as Christians, as Christ followers, is training ourselves in that. That's the intention. Yeah. But the presence is gift, but we're training ourselves to be aware and awake to his presence in every moment so that when we get to heaven, we won't be shocked. Yeah. And it'll be the kind of place, we will be shocked, but it'll be the kind of place we might like to be, Mm. I think. I'm just thinking about something that I heard Danielle Strickland um, say. She, she, I remember her hearing her say that when she prays over her kids at night, she'll, she'll say to them as she's tucking them in, um, who made you? You know, to her little kid, her little son, she'll say, who made you? And he'll say, God. And she'll say, how did he make you? And he'll say, good. And she says that every night, who made you God? How did he make you good? And I, I've never forgotten that. And I, I don't say that all the time to my kids because I forget, but I, I, sometimes I do. Mm. And I, I, like you were saying, I feel like I actually need to say that over myself yeah. <laughs> as much as anything. Um, yeah. Because the temptation, and, and, and I know, again, theologically, you'll be, you'll be way more, um, you'll be way better at articulating this, but that, that tension, isn't it, between we are sinful we are we fall so far short and yet god has made us good yeah. he, he looks at us like you're saying is it Tobin mayot um yeah very good he looks at he look that the creator of heaven and earth looks at me yeah in all the mess of my life and he says oh you're good you're good i mean that yeah. is crazy Still isn't it and the other thing oh god, did, the other thing, just while it's in my head, and I'd love to hear your response. I was thinking about something else that I heard recently. It was a Simon Sinek pod- podcast. And he talked about this idea that as leaders, I think it was Simon Sinek, anyway. Actually, maybe it was Susan David, anyway. But as leaders, what we should say to people is, Trust my compass, not my map. Mm. Trust my compass, not my map. And again, this comes back to if there is something within us, if we are pursuing, if if the compass is set right, then it doesn't matter if we don't necessarily know where the map is headed. Does that make sense? They're two slightly unrelated random thoughts. But anyway, what 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 do you think? Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. And I think you know when we come to this any of these you know you you've talked about the i suppose the tension that you're trying to walk between the um the grace of god what he does and what we do i, I you know speaking of tova just rem- remembered psalm 23 you know it says isn't it at the end and i've already quoted it but surely <clears throat> goodness tova and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and that's such a distinct way of thinking yeah you know, the world rewards effort, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And what this is saying is, if fundamentally we live in a world of grace and our, our security in God, which is what Psalm 23 is actually about, I think, God's provision for us in the storm and in the valley of the shadow of death, which we'll all, we'll all walk through that. We'll all walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
Um, God's, our, our security in that is, is not just the fact that we pursue Tove, mm. but Tove pursues us. Yeah. God's goodness and mercy is pursuing us. And so I think there's a, a flipping on, on the head. And that's perhaps what moved me so much in your story is that, and, may, and maybe this is where we're supposed to get to, is where it's not so much that we go looking for this, but it comes to us and it's there already. And all we're, what we're doing is saying, Lord, I know you're here right now. And I know you're here and what you want to say to me is gracious and it's good because you're good and you say I'm good. How can I open myself up to it? And I don't know whether that's any connection with what you're saying. <laughs> no, I, I, think, I think that's right. And it, it, I, I do think when we think about the gospel, when we think about sharing the gospel with people, you know, evangelizing, I know that word sort of has a few strings attached now, but I, I do think in most human beings, there is a, there is something that resonates in, in the human soul towards goodness, isn't there? Mm. And when we look at our society, and there is so much that is it's 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 painful right it's uh it's agonizing to see the way that human beings treat each other and we could pick any number of issues that are topical right now that illustrate just how bad if, if bad is the opposite of good how bad human beings are to each other and yet there is something, if we're thinking in terms of apologetics, there is something, isn't there, within the human soul that that lights up, that comes alive, unless a soul has been so utterly crushed and devastated. Yeah. There is something that comes alive in the presence of goodness or you know, or, or at, a, at a story or, or, or at something that just is inherently good. What is that? What is, what's going on, do you think, when that happens? And how as Christians do we, how do we communicate that? How do we say, look, that thing, that response that you have in your soul towards goodness is, is an apologetic that there is a God that, 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 that is the epitome of what it is you're responding to. Did that make any sense? <laughs> it made loads of sense. I mean, how'd you do it? Goodness knows. Um, oh, there you God, go. See what you did there. Yeah, no, I didn't mean that. That was an intentional <laughs> Um, Yeah, isn't that, but that's it. That's the, you know, what some have called the God-shaped hole, isn't it? But it's that we are wired for goodness. We're wired for love. We're wired for all of that stuff because we're made in the image of God. And... Yeah, our hearts, St. Augustine said, didn't he? Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And mm. I think that's a really exciting way to frame. You use the word evangelism or apologetics, you use that word too. I think that's a really exciting way to frame those things, mm. to point towards a God who is good. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, who is also holy. Mm. You know, goodness isn't about um, always being fluffy. Yeah. Um, God's goodness is, ev every aspect of God's character is holy. That that means that every, you know, uh, Karl Barth, who's a theologian, says, I'm paraphrasing here, he says, you know, we don't talk about God by talking about man with a loud voice. <laughs> In other words, God isn't just like us, like our vision of goodness and just more. 
He's not just more quantity. He, the difference between him and us is qualitative. Mm-hmm. It's like a leap, a leap that can't be bridged. Um, if that makes sense. It does. And so God's goodness isn't just like, oh, there's a really nice picture. And he's a bit like that. And that's where we get into trouble, even with things like father. Yeah. How do I, how is God a father? Well, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a beautiful way to understand it, but his fatherhood is, it's not like my dad or your dad times a thousand. Mm. His fatherhood is categorically different. It is so pure and generous mm. and gentle and strong and loving and, you know, and, and his, and his motherhood is that and his brotherhood and his, you know, and so, um, yeah, I, maybe some discussion around these, I mean, what you probably classically would have been called virtues actually gives us a window. I like that. A window into discussing longing with people. Cause I think these, in these days, people aren't asking sort of theological questions as their base point, but they still have all these longings. I have these longings. So. Yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. I'm just, we're, gonna, we're aware of time and we're going to wrap up in a minute, but Again, if we, we talk about goodness, and I've, I've alluded to this already, then you, you, have to, uh, you have to be aware that, that there, is a, there is the antithesis of goodness. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what you would say to somebody who is listening to this, and for them, the notion that God is good mm-hmm. is really hard right now, that their life experience right now feels like it is contrary to this this mm. i mean absolutely foundational truth that god is good what would yeah. you say what would you say to somebody that's like i am really struggling yeah. to see god's goodness right now well it's so difficult because with that person if you had an hour with them you'd try and listen to them wouldn't you, you wouldn't want to say very much because i think um that an experience of suffering <clears throat> you, you can't you can't answer it with words. You know, there aren't there aren't answers, are there, in the midst of somebody who's really suffering grief or loss or uh, a longing unfulfilled, uh, a hope unmet, you know. So, I mean, that's, that's obvious. Um, however, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think... I think that there has been a real emphasis in, you know, in the last while, I don't know how long, but on the problem of evil. Mm. And I understand that. I mean, we do have to reckon with the reality or the presence of evil, however you define evil. And we'll leave that to the philosophers when we've only got a few minutes left. But however you define evil, we have a problem with that. I think the, the Bible does have an account for it. And that's to say that the Bible isn't a story of, uh, just God and humans. The Bible is a story of God, humans, and evil. We see that back back to the Genesis text. We see that right at the beginning. And I suppose ultimately, in the midst of all the complexity of life and and real suffering, which we don't do any good to diminish in the church or anywhere else. Mm. You know, the most horrendous and heinous things are happening in the world all the time, and it's devastating. It's devastating. I mean, it must devastate God far more than we can even begin to capture. If he's, if he is Tov, what? How must he feel when he sees the opposite of Tov happening in the world that he so loved? Mm. It breaks him. I mean, it must break him. His, his pain, his, his, and pain. 
pain is um is is um pain is always as the result of love isn't it we feel pain because we love and he loves more perfectly than any of us so he must feel must feel that pain but i suppose he, in the midst of that i don't think in the bible we're presented with goodness of the goodness of god as something which is provable moment by moment but yeah. as something which is a foundational truth which is received by faith <clears throat> and I think if we get to the point where we're saying, well, this has happened to me and therefore God isn't good. Um, I think that that's the ground has shifted. And I mean, I would see this as, I mean, I, I don't remember much maths, um, but I do remember the concept of an axiom. Gosh, and an axiom is, I, is an, I must have been away that day. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, it's a fundamental foundational principle that you can't prove. One plus one is two in maths. Don't ask me why. Nobody knows. You can't prove it, apparently. But unless you assume it, maths doesn't work. Forget the rest of it. Put your iPhone in the bin because you can't have it unless one plus one equals two. And I think the goodness of God is one of those. It's one of the things that we just have to say by faith, which you're going to be Tim and <laughs> Amy can talk about by faith. I trust in his goodness. And even though what's happening to me isn't Tove, and I believe that he's weeping with me, I trust uh, that he's unchanging and that he is Tove. I love that. I, I, I love that. That's, that's it. And it's, it's faith. It has to be faith, doesn't it? Because it's yeah. faith in what we, we don't see. It's Absolutely. faith in what we don't always see immediately in front of us. I think that's, that's it. That's amazing. Um, Johnny, would you pray? Would you pray over yeah. anyone yeah. who's watching this or, or listening to this? Yes. Yeah, of course. It'd be a, a delight. Father God, we, we declare that you, above all, are Tove. You are good. Thank you, Father. We thank you that your goodness and your mercy will surely follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in your house our whole lives long mm -hmm. and i pray for every person watching this today listening to this that they might see a glimpse of your goodness today and that that glimpse would transform them yeah i pray particularly lord for a fresh understanding of their goodness that when you look at them you say tov meod very good mm. lord we pray for a renewal of our minds so that we might understand who you are and truly who we are in you and we pray this in your name amen amen Amen. Johnny, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for stepping in for Amy. It, and I'm just so glad we did this. What a, what a great way to mix things up. Thank you for sharing. You're always, I always find you really inspiring, really honest and totally profound. So thank you so much to be our honorary The Orchard Podcast guest. <laughs>